Hello, welcome to Knowles 24-7's On the Bench podcast, a recruiting-specific episode today. I'm Brendan Sinone. I'm introducing myself properly this time. Josh Newberg, Chris Nee, I'm introducing them as well properly. Guys, how's it going? What's up? It's going great. Outstanding. My day has improved so drastically. From the last time we recorded? And yes. You were, uh, I, was, I was dreadful, I know. But so now you're I now you're, to bring down the morale. Mm, speaking of morale, uh, before we get into this super duper recruiting specific podcast i want to talk about another podcast one i have a little beef with i'm not part of this because this this was a zach and trey production zach blostein intern extraordinaire who we all love your future replacement i thought it was josh's he's mine now we'll figure that out down the road no i've already volunteered that spot he's my future replacement thank god josh is so ready to just get into the (laughs) florist business uh, he was on the Rollcast with Trey Rowland last week. We promote other podcasts way too much on this one, by the way. I talk about the big three roll-up about once every week. So, uh, and Anyways, I got a text message from multiple people saying I need to listen to the podcast with Josh – or sorry, with, with Zach. Uh, and he had said a lot of things about Josh and Chris and myself in which Trey basically baited him to say not-so-nice things about us. Which is fine, and it was funny. But I, I, really, I was disappointed. I don't think he said anything bad about me. I was I was here for the roasting. The only reason I listened is because I thought I was going to get roasted, and then they barely talked about me. I rated it two stars on iTunes. <laughs> By the way, guys, give us a five-star review on iTunes, like, subscribe, whatever. Uh, I, I got some of the criticism of me, like the dad jokes. I'm corny. I get it. Nerdy, whatever. Soft, yeah. yeah I'm emotionally very, very fragile. <laughs> But <laughs> but to think that either of you two slappies could beat me on the football field is absurd. Chris can't even walk without his knees exploding. I've gone 222 days without a workplace incident. And then to think that I wouldn't survive a, a nuclear holocaust better than, than Josh, who would be baked out of his mind. <laughs> he wouldn't even realize, he wouldn't realize it was happening. <laughs> Meanwhile, that might be the best way to survive it, though. Yesterday, I was watching Game of Thrones, and I was getting all nervous because of the crypt, and I kept hearing noises outside my house. You want to really reinforce that nerd point, didn't you? You watched it, too. Yeah, I did, too. You're Everyone right. did. I watched it. It's the first episode I've ever watched. Oh. I, I was going to say we're going to be the only podcast not really talking about it. What'd you think? I thought it was cool. Um, I watched – actually, my girlfriend was behind one episode, so I watched the, the second episode of the season, and then we rolled right into uh, at 9 p.m. the new episode. So I watched two back-to-back. It was cool. Look at Josh branching out. Anyways. Well, I'm into, like, all the history of Rome stuff, and I love all that. So this was very similar, you know, except for those dragons. But there was some crazy stuff going on in Rome those times too, so – wasn't that? Josh is a really deep bang. I watch a lot of Rome podcasts. You know what's weird with Game of Thrones is like I find myself being like, oh, back then, and I have to remember like, no, <laughs> even though they're kind of basing it off of medieval times, some of those things didn't exist. Dragons, zombies. Night Kings. Zombies, yeah. Um, anyways, anyways, when I heard a bunch of noise outside the house, and I don't know what it was. It kept happening like every 10 minutes, but I had a metal baseball butt I was bringing around with me everywhere. So, so to imply that that I wouldn't be well equipped to handle some sort of Holocaust. I have sleep with both a metal baseball bat and a golf club under my bed. Uh, we've I'm taking had, archery classes. We've later had this week. the apocalypse discussion as a family a few times. 
my mother has enough food to keep people going for like at least 400 days in her house. I mean, it's just her and my dad in that house, but they have enough food for about 18 people. What about if you're there? Days. Okay, so nine people for 200 <laughs> days. But anyways, we would just have to find some guns, and we would get in that house, and we'd be good for at least a year. Hopefully things would get sorted out in that time. But I didn't listen to podcasts because, truthfully, I listen to very few podcasts, especially sports-oriented ones. I listen to 30 for 30 and a couple other ones, and that's about it for me. No, I was going to listen to, listen to it. Um, but, yeah, seriously, though, History of Rome podcast, one of the best podcasts out there. And you guys should listen to it. And why can't we promote other podcasts on here? Brandon? We can't. No, we can't. And I like, honestly, I like Trey. I think, he, I think he's funny and serves a really good purpose of, of in this potosphere or whatever it is, too. So it actually was a good podcast. Go listen to it. But, Zach, you're dead to me. All right. Enough of promoting other podcasts. This is the On the Bench podcast. Uh, remember, we changed our name. Some of you may not have gotten the memo the first time. We're you on began the bench. Zach's last week of high school by wishing death upon him. No, I said he's dead to me. I don't want him to die. Oh, okay. He's it's already done. He's a white walker now to me. A, a night king, if you will. Anyways, guys, if you haven't turned it off already, please rate, review, subscribe to our podcast. Uh, we try to have fun here, but we also like to give you information. And this is going to be a recruiting-centric podcast. Since we had our last pod, uh, there was a commitment, uh, and that's from three-star cornerback commit. Uh, Derek Bermudez from Sandalwood in Jacksonville. Uh, the, what, it's like the 10th defensive back FSU has, has taken in the 2020 class. But in all serious, I think we all like him, Josh. I'll kick it to you first. Your thoughts on Derek and, and that take. Well, we hit on it. Did not did we include him in the last I don't podcast? think so. No, no, we was recorded the, the last one early on Monday, and he committed uh, Monday evening. And, and okay. when I say the last podcast, I mean last week, not the one we recorded this morning that's coming out. on. Right, right, right. No, I mean the last recruiting pod. No, you're right. That was the day of. Um, I like the player. I don't like the take. We've uh, The timing of the take. We've talked about this on the message board plenty. Um, I don't think that he – like I'm not – I don't feel that FSU really reached on him per se. I've seen him play. Um, I, w- I think he's going to be safe. Didn't we talk about this where I said I thought he was going to be a safety? And Chris no, said, oh, that was, no, that was, no, that was you and your mirror. No, that was okay. Harrell, wasn't it? No, that was Jalen Harrell. I just remember yeah. us going back and forth. So, um, yeah, I just think with the last spot at the defensive back class, because I am told that they're done at defensive back. Like I'm told as of right now, they're full. So guys like a Kendall Dennis or other guys that were on the radar are really not going to be actively recruited too hard. There's just not room for another defensive back right now, especially with what they signed last year. I mean, (laughs) what are they going to do? Not sign any defensive backs next year. So I think that um, Bermudez is a guy that they probably could have taken at the end of the summer and just seen where the chips fall, maybe get a couple of DBs on campus altogether and see who you like the most. But I have a feeling that, you know, him being a teammate of Jeff Sims, them extending him an offer and him calling him on it. I mean, you got to accept the commitment, right? Chris isn't paying full attention, but yeah, I, I'll, I'll put it this way. I, I liked him more than Harold. Uh, maybe you can say the timing, you could have waited a little bit, but and I, well, just I, like like, I don't like the timing. That's that was, uh, but, but you guys talked about this in the last pod, Josh is, you can always make more room or clear things out. Maybe this is a little bit trickier because he is teammates with, with Jeff Sims, who's kind of the centerpiece of your class. Uh, but I mean, I, I don't understand. I don't see a huge issue. Like he's a guy that you like, if you like enough to offer him, go in on him, take it. If he comes in the summer and doesn't perform well, then like you have another conversation with him. I, 
I think he looks the part. I think he's super fluid, athletic for a guy who's six foot two. Chris, you saw him in person this past week, and I know you get to see like a full on practice, but you got to see him run around and stuff. Like he has the length, he has the athleticism, uh, and he seems based on on the highlights to have a good inclination of, of what to do in coverage too. But like for a cliche, he checks a lot of the boxes. Yeah, he's he's a long, lanky dude who's fluid and moves very well, and you know he. He looks comfortable kind of hanging out there in space by himself, lined up on an island. I talked to Coach Geis, the head coach at Sandalwood, when I was over there. I was over there on Thursday for the back end of their practice. I saw less than I had hoped to see because Jacksonville traffic is still awful. Um, but Coach Geis, he, he spoke highly of his player. Now, I expect him to speak highly of his players, but I've known Coach Geis for a long time. He shoots me pretty straight, especially off the record without the recorder on. And he said Derek's just a competitive kid who – Works really hard, does what he's asked to do, understands how to play his position, plays well with leverage, does a very good job of staying attached to the hip, very competitive with the ball in the air. So you you list off all those things. You see the athleticism. You see the size. It fits what they want in corners. Now, I agree with Josh. The timing was a little bit weird to me um, because they already have so many bodies at that position, and they have a healthy amount of bodies on the board. But I am – in retrospect, I'm thinking they didn't feel like there's a drastic difference between a guy like Derek Bermudez and a guy like Kendall Dennis. And I don't think there was anybody that they were shooting higher for that they're in a really good spot for. So I don't really have an issue with it. The timing did strike me as weird. I did not expect it to come down the pike on Monday. It was surprising to me that it happened. But at the same time, it sort of is one of those things where if they can accumulate talent that they like from their evaluation, you go ahead and do so. The, I, I don't know. Maybe because I'm not the recruiting guy, but I think if you like someone in their take, like take we saw F, we criticized FSU for not taking guys early enough last year, and that was with the gift of hindsight. But they waited on guys and tried to wait for bigger names and end up biting them in the butt. Like so I, I don't understand. I think the, it's more so that they have a number the, of DBs already committed. Okay, so so coupling with the the big class that they landed last year. You know? Okay, that makes a little more sense. That context. Um, so what do they have at defensive back? Let's go recap that real quick uh, because they have what five now. Yeah, he's the fifth. Bermudez is the most recent. Isaiah Dunson, I believe, got the ball rolling with that group. Um, Jalen Harrell obviously jumped in the boat last week from Miami. Yeah, who who are we forgetting here? Uh, Jadarius McKnight, who's kind of a box safety type to me. And then the kid from Orlando Freedom, blanking yeah, on the name. Yeah, Demory Tate, who could play corner safety or even wide receiver. So that's the thing is like you're getting versatile guys that could play a couple different positions still. So while it looks like you're holding up on DBs, and, and I guess you are the base of it, those are still all guys, well, not all of them, but about half of them can play different spots potentially, could project in different places. I don't have an issue with loading up on athletic guys that you think are good football players and then figuring it out. Yeah, and you just have to be good at the discussion down the road where if you can upgrade, you upgrade without hurting feelings. And I don't expect that to happen uh, based on some conversations I've been having. I don't expect them to really go out and dump some of these guys. Well, I, I don't think they expect to be in a position to do so. But if they're suddenly a team. I'm just told it's not really, you know, uh, we knew under Fisher and especially when in the Brewster era that that was absolutely what they were looking to do. I mean, we were being told that off the record, you know, like, yeah. well, it, I'm being told off the record the opposite that like, no, this isn't going to like these guys aren't going to be bounced. 
Chris's eyebrows are raising right now, Josh. Just so you know, you're you're, you're twerking. You're, you're I'm just saying I've covered college athletics for a long time, heavily involved with one program. Know plenty of people involved with other programs. If FSU rolls out there and goes 11 and one, wins an ACC title, and is in the playoffs, which God knows I don't expect, but if somehow they pull that off, there'll be an upgrade season. Well, I don't they mean if they, they go want, 11 and one, that, Chris, but, but I'm will. talking if they win what we expect, like eight or nine games. I'm just told, I was told directly off the record this weekend that like this head coach does not intend to do that. But go ahead, Chris. You whipped out your credentials on him. How do you feel, Josh? You just now, Josh has done it equally as long as I have, maybe even a little, well, maybe a little bit less, but. He knows plenty of people at plenty of programs. Yeah, I think, I truthfully, we're both in agreement. I get what Josh like if, is saying. If Savelle Smalls is trying to jump in the boat and Jayon McCluster's in, yeah, like, would they make room for him? Yeah, sure. Um, I just mean in general speaking, like in in, in between the uh, realistic lines of what we expect, um, yeah. I don't anticipate a big turnover at the bottom of the commit list is all, I, is all I'm saying. And I've been told that on good authority. All right. So – Back to Bermudez, Chris, was he the legit 6'2"? Yeah. I like the take. I the wingspan it. is the most impressive thing you notice about because Jaquez Robinson's his mm-hmm. teammate, Alabama commitment, also a long, lanky kid. And you just look at the two, and Derek's wingspan is the thing that kind of grabs your attention among all. And Sandalwood's got a real nice roster. They got those two, Jeff Sims, uh, the tall receiver whose name is escaping me, Kobe Baines. Brandon Jennings, a younger guy. They have an Ole Miss running back commitment, I believe, on that roster, too. Their running back's very good. I think he's committed to Ole Miss. So th- there's plenty of talent there. So it's not one of these where you walk out and it's like Christian Jones where he's clearly the only dude on that roster. Holy cow. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> yes. I mean, But that was the case with Christian Jones. It wasn't like that. He stands out from a physical put-togetherness standpoint in comparison to a lot of those really talented teammates. Uh, again, I— I like the take. I think he's as good as some of the other defensive backs in this class. You liked him more than Harold on film. Right? I did. I did. Well, film being uh, puddle high solely on film. Yeah, but but yeah, I, I'm always a proponent of a cornerback who can turn his hips and run when you're a plus six foot. Like if you can run downfield with a guy fluidly and you have that requisite length, like I think that's a baseline for being really successful. For Harold, we were talking about is he a safety? Is he a corner? We like that he was physical. You uh, like this as wingspan and length a ton but with with bermudez like he is 100 percent a corner because yeah, he can, he can that. do that um that doesn't necessarily mean he's uh, for sure going to be successful but i think that's a good baseline a good indication of of having some skills there that, that do translate well to not just college but then the next level as well and with that in mind like how many of the defensive backs now that they have are, are taller than six foot like is this a complete oh, I think 180 to what we saw pretty much all oh, this is six two definitely a, uh, what was that josh this is definitely a strategy. You know, yeah. the, we saw Jimbo move to this at one point too. Um, I think this year they're going to try to load it up. You know, they have Asante, they have some other guys on the roster that are below six foot um, that are going to be there for a couple years. So I think this is just a move to kind of solidify that those measurables. Yeah. McKnight's listed at six foot. I think he's just shy of that. All four of the other ones are six foot two. McKnight can very well slide up to linebacker where I mean, length, length matters, obviously, but you're not talking about the same kind of principles. Um, so right now, as well, we, I, I, to, I also think we're going to see um, Brendan Gant slide to linebacker in the future as well. Yeah. Gant was one of the, and they thought, <laughs> they thought if they had, they got Nick cross, he would have been a guy who slid to linebacker too. Yeah. Uh, but that, of course, didn't happen. Yeah, um, Nick Cross was prototypical hybrid for them. Yeah, Gant, Gant makes sense as the as the one who plays star for them. I initially thought it could be Raymond Woody the third, but I think they like him more as a 
field general kind of in center the back field end. safety. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and, and for the record, I'm not against the Bermudez uh, take. I like the take. I just wasn't sure on the timing. And then those those sidebars that we got off into were not about Bermudez. That was just generally speaking. No, Josh hates Bermudez. That's that's what he's saying. That's no, what no, no, we got you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I don't, I'm not the recruiting guy, so I don't think a ton about the timing of stuff. I'm always just like, if you like someone, get them in the boat, whatever, figure it out from there. But anyways, as we record the podcast, FSU's recruiting class is now up to number six. Uh, and I think it was number seven when they got the commitment from Bermudez, or I can't remember, but I don't know if they've done a ton to change. It's just so funny this time of year. The recruiting class will fluctuate without you doing anything because guys are jumping in and out at the very end of the spring. Uh, Rankings changing. Yeah, it's all kinds of stuff going on. Yeah, it's, it's funny. It's there, weird. There's three really elite classes leading the charge. LSU, who has 13 commits. Clemson with 12 commits. Clemson's class from an average ranking is 95-1-6, which is just insane. Woo. And then Bama's third with 15 commits with a 92-1-0 average. LSU's average is 94-1-7. Include that in conversation. Miami's up next at four with 11 with 91.5 average. Florida's next, 10 commitments, 91.33. FSU is next with 10 commitments, 89.5. So there is a kind of, you know, drop with the ranking. And then Ohio State backs up behind FSU, but they only have eight commitments, and their average is 92.87. So truthfully, Ohio State probably on paper has a better class than FSU. It's just a matter of numbers, and we spoke about that on a previous pod about how numbers will kind of influence the class. For example, UNC's eight, but they also have 12 commitments, and their average ranking is only 86.84. So it's kind of one of those where it's, you know, being ranked six is nice and it's good. And I think it's a fair assessment of where FSU's class sits right now. But, you know, they're not, like, on the heels of what being Clem- what on being what Clemson currently is or what Alabama currently is or even LSU you know, there there is a clear tier system, and they're not in that top tier, but they're not far off from that top tier. But they're not close to achieving the top tier either. They are solidly in that second tier. All right, so that's going to be a good spot for us to take a break. I don't even know if it's a good spot for us to do it, but we're going to take, take a break here, and then we're going to get into both Chris and Josh if hit the road during our spring recruiting tour. Uh, so we're going to have some nuggets for you there coming on the other side. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, 
Well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we're back with the On the Bench podcast. Guys, you've been putting some some miles on the car, I, I hear. Is that the... That's the rumor that you're working. You're not on the bench. You're on the road instead. Yep. On the road again. All right. Uh, Let's start off with Chris because you were in Jacksonville this past week uh, and you got a chance to stop at a couple different places. I'll kick it off to you and let you go down the list of the guys you saw, what you heard. A lot of this you can see or sorry, read on Knowles247.com, but here's a more fleshed out uh, evaluation for Chris. I pulled off at Oakleaf on my way into Jacksonville. That's on the Orange Park side, which is more western side of Jacksonville. Main reason I went there is to see Chance Williams' four-star defensive end and Jalen Rivers' four-star offensive tackle. The two are still 100% a package deal, and it's not one of these where they talk about it. They're legitimately living it. I'll be shocked if they don't end up at the same school. They have the same top six. They had put out a top five, but they've added Auburn to it. The other schools in that are Alabama, Florida, Georgia, FSU, and Miami. For both of them, not really naming favorites or leaders, Chance, when he spoke at the Orlando Nike Regional, came off as a guy that really liked UF, was leaning that direction. He wasn't quite that way when I spoke to him here the past week. Jalen Rivers has never really tipped his hand that much. UF was his first offer. If I had to bet money right now, I think Florida is a leader in the clubhouse with Miami and FSU immediately behind for both of them. They both like FSU a lot. The main thing with FSU is that the relationship with Taggart is somewhat limited. Um, when we spoke to him in Orlando, which was a couple months ago, Chance wasn't talking to Willie. I asked Chance specifically about that point when I went over there this week. He said that when him and Jalen came over for the late March 2nd scrimmage practice for FSU the week before the spring game, that them and their family, which is basically one combined family at this point because the way the two are being raised, met with Willie and had very in-depth discussions a lot of talks that went really well, but he said that still essentially is really the contact he's having with Willie. Now, he has a ton of contact from the rest of the staff. Mark Snyder went over there on Tuesday. Odell Hagan's first offer, Chance Williams, has stayed a regular contact person for him. There's a lot going on there. They want to be done, truthfully, I think they'd like to be done by the end of summer. It wouldn't shock me if they want to be done by like June 20th when we go into the dead period. It may go to those end of July events for some schools, but they're they're – they're ready to make that next step, make that next move. But they need to do a few things between now and then, which may include two to three official visits and definitely stepping on a couple campuses again. But how that's going to play out is worth watching. I don't think it would be FSU today, but I also I'm not dismissing FSU. They're, they're certainly a player. I think Clement's coming on a little late is kind of a – they're playing some catch-up with Rivers. Like today I was over there, John Hevesy and uh, – uh, Grantham from UF were both there watching both of the guys. So there's a lot of relationships there. FSU has a little more work in the relationship department beyond Odell and Mark Snyder's connection to them. It's like getting the offensive line coach in early would have helped with recruiting. Yeah, and uh, truthfully with Jalen, it's it's a matter of just kind of convincing them that you're going to develop them. I do think Jalen's an offensive tackle in college. I know some people have thrown out guard. I think he's a tackle. I don't know if he's a left tackle or a right tackle, but he's a tackle in my opinion. Chance Williams is Brian Burns, as close as you're going to find to him in this class this year. And he he spoke about that. I I spoke to him the morning of the day that Burns would be drafted, and he brought up that FSU keeps comparing him to Burns. And I asked, you know, do you do you mind that? You know, some guys don't want to be compared to other people. He's like, no, nah, I love that. I see his production. I see what he did in that defense. 
and I know he's about to get paid tonight. So, yeah, that's a positive. Made my way from there to Sandalwood. Forgot how bad traffic is is on the connection by JTB. Good Lord, I didn't miss that growing up in Jacksonville. But uh, got to Sandalwood, hung out with Coach Guys, known him for a very long time, dealt with a lot of kids he's had there. Bradley Jennings, former Noel, was there helping out with the defense. Bradley's younger son, Brandon Jennings, is playing DN, Jack Linebacker for them. Brandon looks a heck of a lot like Bradley. He's like a mini monster, more so than BJ Jennings, who's at Miami, was. I talked to Jeff Sims while I was there. I talked to Kobe Baines. I spoke very briefly with a few other guys on the roster. I didn't talk to Derek Bermudez because he had to get off the field and get to something when they wrapped up practice, so I didn't chat with him. But uh, Kobe Baines recently offered by FSU when Coach Browse went by on Tuesday. Really likes FSU a lot. He's not quite in the naming favorites department, but FSU is going to be in the mix when the time comes. With Jeff Sims, I'm going to write that story today. He kind of shared his hit list of guys he's going after. Asked him about him and Zane Hearing competing for that recruiting title. Asked him about FSU pursuing a second quarterback potentially in this class, where he stands on that topic. Ooh, and as you would expect, tease. as you would expect, Jeff is you know even killed kid. Kind of here for it. He's a big supporter of FSU. He wants FSU to be good and be better, and he understands the things they need to do to get there. He's not going to hold them hostage no, for an entire no, recruiting. What no, a nice yeah. guy. He's actually going to be probably help recruit a second quarterback. Wouldn't it shock me? Like I think he. That's actually. I think I think Jeff is a kid very comfortable in his own skin who enjoys competitive uh, atmospheres. I was being sarcastic before, but that's actually pretty cool. Oh, it's a great trait. Yeah, that's it's neat. a great trait. It's a guy that you know isn't going to run at the first sight of something. Kind of reminds me of the current guy they have a quarterback who enjoys competitive atmospheres and has, you know, taken some punches while waiting its turn. Um, but no, good times at Sandalwood. Good chat. Saturday, I made my way over to Lincoln, talked to Sage Ennis. Coach Browse was there taking him in. They still want to see him block more. He was working on in that practice. Kamari Morales, who's the tight end coming out of Lincoln from last year, going to UNC. He's been working with Sage on being more of a blocking tight end. Last year, Sage was more of a wide receiver. So, those are the main things with Sage. It's still a wait and see what you offer. If he gets it, FSU is going to be a major player. I would go as far as probably saying the favorite for him. But if they wait too long, he's got about two dozen offers in hand. So he can definitely kind of wait and see his turn. Today, I'm hoping to get out to see Keyshawn Green at Madison, or I'm sorry, at Wakulla later in the week. I'm hoping to go by Madison. And eventually, I hope to get to Graceville to see Sori. I'm going to bounce around and see some other guys too. But those are kind of the top guys on my list to go see. Josh saw Morris Tolafili, I believe, a couple others this past week. Or no, he saw Tolafili and spoke to somebody about a couple others. So I'll send it his way so he can chat about Lawrence a little bit. You were in a pretty good rhythm there, man. Um, I had a question for you. Um, yeah, I what's the question? You were giving FSU a chance at the Oakleaf guys. What, Even though you say they're deciding in August, what makes you optimistic with that timeline? Optimistic uh, for FSU? Uh, truthfully, what makes me optimistic is that they're going to have to come to a common belief on one. And I think for them that FSU is appealing to both because it offers such great playing time opportunity for both. They need a speed rush and who's special. They need an offensive tackle like nobody's business. Therefore, they have that. I think the fact that Odell was first on chance and FSU wasn't far behind on Jalen, even though Florida was first with him, I think that's had a lasting effect. I think they like the atmosphere in Tallahassee, the university, the academics. Academics do matter to those two. They both care a great deal. I believe Jalen told me computer, I want to say engineering, may have been programming, is what he intends to major in. So he's looking at those programs heavily. I think FSU kind of fits that well, and they've been there so much that they're truly interested and they're learning about it. 
like I said, I would still probably put Florida as a, you know, one sitting in the seat pole position right now. Okay. And I went to go see Lawrence Toe Philly. He's at Pinellas Park, uh, not too far from me. Went to high school with Kenny Crawford, who's the head coach there. So that was my first stop. <clears throat> I went there on Thursday. Um, Raymond Woody, uh, linebacker coach at Florida State, stopped by on the same day. He was there in the morning and then was also there in the afternoon at practice. Um, Toe Philly spoke to him before he hit the field. He is really excited about this spring practice, becoming a senior, being a leader and all that good stuff. Um, he's coming off of a visit to Ohio State. I think it was kind of an eye-opener to him. He said he's really never been too many places out of the state, let alone in Ohio. Um, the weather was beautiful, all that. He liked it. Still not ready to say Ohio State's going to be a major factor in his recruitment. Um, he mentioned to me, I asked him who's his leader. He denied having a leader. He said he's open, but said Ohio State, Florida State, Florida, Michigan, and Auburn. Um, he was supposed to get up to Michigan on that s spring swing, but did not. Uh, he plans to this summer. But he said right now he's speaking with Auburn, and they've been going back and forth about getting him up on a visit either later this spring or early summer. Um, Toa Philly, to me, this has been something I've been <laughs> I've talked about a lot, but reading on where guys are in their recruitments. And I said this about um, – we were talking about Isaiah Walker and Richie Leonard. And I said, I thought Richie Leonard was a little bit further along. I thought um, Isaiah Walker was just uh, still taking things in. And of course, Richie Leonard went on to open up his recruitment. And I think he is further along in his recruitment. Um, back to Toa Philly, though. Good relationship with Pimpleton and Woody. I still have my crystal ball on him. I still feel confident in my pick to FSU. Um, but I don't think he's going to make a decision anytime soon. Like I said, I don't think he's as, as far along in his recruitment. He still wants to get to some schools and most of the schools that he's talking about getting to are out of state. So we talked about a timeline and he told me that he thinks he's going to end up narrowing his list sometime during the summer <clears throat> and then taking his official visits in the summer and into the fall and most likely making a decision sometime during or after his senior year. Um, he's in the process of becoming an early enrollee and he thinks he's going to sign in December. But, you know, all that being said, I still like him as a, as an FSU lean and would not change my crystal ball pick on him, even though I think his recruitment's going to go a little bit longer than we expected. Do you think when the domino effect begins with running backs coming off the board, both potentially to FSU and to elsewhere that it alters things, or do you think he's pretty steadfast in the timeline you're talking about? Uh, I think it would alter things because I do think his head coach, Kenny Crawford, uh, understands the recruiting process, has been through it several times. And if this was a situation where Raymond Woody, who has a great relationship with Crawford, came to him and said, hey, we're filling up. If your boy wants in, he's going to need to do it now. I know Kenny, his ability to communicate that to Toa Philly, um, he would let him know. And I think uh, Toa Philly, knowing FSU's his dream school, if that's really, really, really where he wants to be, I think FSU could put the squeeze on him and, and get him early. Another running back that FSU, or I'm sorry, that we saw this week that FSU also saw was Jalen Knight, and Zach went out to see him on was it Tuesday or Monday. Wednesday? I believe no, it, was it was Monday. They weren't out Monday because he was there today. Dugan's okay. Then it was, so it was Tuesday. Tuesday. He was there one of the first days. Yeah, but I, I think it was Tuesday. It may have been Wednesday. Ron Dugan's went by to see him as well. Um, you know, FSU's hot and heavy with him. The biggest thing that came out of that was the adjustment of commitment date. 
So we'll see how that holds. He was originally planning to commit what May seventeenth, and now he's considering waiting till summer. Is that yeah? Here's what my take on that. I don't. I don't think that the uh, the decision to move it back necessarily means FSU slipping at all. Um, I still have my crystal ball on FSU. I still feel confident in FSU. I think what it does, though, if this holds true and he makes that decision in August, it just there's just more times for something to go sideways. Like right now, I feel very confident about FSU. But this is recruiting. And when we talk about making a projection now three, four months down the road, I mean, there's just more time for a staff to get them on campus. We know visits can change things. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, this is a death blow for FSU in the in the night and sweepstakes. What's your take on it, Chris? I think that night and remains in regular communication with Jeff Sims and the staff. And I think FSU is kind of sitting in that pole position. Mm-hmm. I think he is one of those kids that's going to waffle a little bit back and forth on when he's actually going to decide. And when it shocked me, if he just randomly one night on Twitter says, you know, big news dropping at 8 p.m. and drops a commitment just kind of randomly out of blue. I I think he, you know, he, he's influenced by visits to some degree. So he, you if you're FSU, you don't want it stretching out and him taking a ton of trips. But at the same time, I think he kind of understands that FSU is a real good situation for him, and he really liked it in the spring. I think FSU's hit a lot of right notes with him and his people with regards to convincing him that it's the right opportunity for him and their need at the position. The fact they didn't take a guy there last year and all those factors factored in. I agree. So when are you going to put that crystal ball in, Chris? I thought I put one in for night. Did I not? Oh, did you? Okay. I think I did. I know Zach did. I didn't know if you had. I, I'm not overly aggressive with my crystal balls so far. Oh, I know. That's why I was Your asking. Crystal balls. My crystal balls, yes. Um, that's pretty much visits we took. Do you have anything on the agenda this week, Josh? That yeah, you I'm gonna. Yeah, that's a. Yeah, I'm gonna hit the road a little bit and get go south. I think. Um, probably gonna go see Josh Griffiths tomorrow. Uh, and then they go from like nine to noon, I believe, at IMG. So I might swing up and hit Jayon McCoster. Although I might wait a week for McCluster because we just we've had so many updates with him. Maybe I'll let another week pass before that. But I also want to get down and possibly see Malachi Weidman this week. Um, I think it'd be exciting to watch him play. I know I got to see him at the Adidas seven on seven, but he didn't do too much there. So I'd like to see him in pads with his team. Um, hey, if you guys got anybody else you'd like me to see, who who am I missing? Down your way, I'm trying to think. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I could get over to Tampa and go see Jonathan Odom. I know yeah. FSU's still in contact with him and his dad. Um, I didn't realize that they had been in such regular contact with him since um, he visited in March for a junior day. But I continue to hear LSU and Florida with him. And I yeah. do know he's going to take a visit to Ohio State next weekend. So Yeah, he's um, a Florida legacy for those that don't know. But he is in, in regular contact with FSU almost every week, if not multiple times a week. So they are in that sweepstakes. I could go see him, maybe make it over. Oh, and Jalen Harrell at um, Berkeley Prep. He was a guy that we that FSU offered probably over a year ago now at this point. Um, he, he's the other Jalen Harrell for people that are confused. There's the J- FSU commitment at Miami Central. And then there's Jalen Harrell with a Y in Jalen. I was confused. Who's at Tampa Berkeley Prep? Yeah, 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 yeah. And Jalen Harrell at Tampa Berkeley Prep's been on the radar for a couple of years. He's a big. He's six foot three. I'm told that he weighed in recently at two forty five. Um, offered as an outside linebacker, 
I don't think he's that anymore, especially not at Florida State. When you look at what FSU has on the commit list, he's you know he can't run and do the things that they need to do at outside linebacker at Florida State. So FSU is going to recruit him as either an inside linebacker or a guy, uh, an edge rusher, uh, hand in the ground. And that's what I think he ends up being. I think he's you know, 6'3", 6'4", 265 when it's all said and done. He's a big, big boy, broad shoulders. He's going to add weight. Um, so Perfect. maybe I'll go see him. But, you know, with FSU's linebacking commit list the way it is, I, I just don't know where Jalen Harrell fits, especially if he's a tweener. Berkeley Prep's also home to the under-the-radar offensive lineman we saw in Orlando, is it not? Yeah, he was 2021, though. Wasn't okay. he? Or was yeah, he? I don't remember. I just know he was under the radar, not very well known, but he performed Big, strong well guard. Today. Yeah. 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 So, so. From, an, from an FSU staff perspective, their past week was largely spent in the state of Florida trying to comb through it all, see most of their schools hitting their territories. Um, I know Josh has a interesting take on the fact that Odell Higgins does not appear to still be in Polk County. I'll let him get to that in a moment, but just kind of cover what they did last week, what we expect from them this week. Last week, mostly Florida. Dante Pimpleton also went to Missouri. Well, talk about told, a few of the new the new territories that we found because Randy Clements is here. We, I mean, you know, talk about a, a few of where they've been. Well, just Pimp was in the Lakeland area, uh, which you know is Odell's old territory. Odell was in the Fort Myers Naples area, which was previously um, Raymond Woody's area. Woody was primarily in Pinellas, IMG, Bradenton, Sarasota, his home stomping grounds, and then that Tampa area which he kind of what divided and conquered, I believe last year with Greg Fry. Fry had but, Pinellas and Woody had Hillsborough, but Fry kind of went over because of his relationship with Putnam and got into P- Hillsborough. So they did, but yeah, they divided Hillsborough and Pinellas between those two. And now Woody has, I believe entire Pinellas and Hillsborough. Um, yeah. Telly of course was in Dade, especially South part of Dade. Yeah. Uh, David Kelly was in Orlando area. Ron Dugans was in the Fort Lauderdale type area. I believe also some of Broward. Uh, Kendall Browns went to Jacksonville. I don't know if that's technically his area or to see Jeff Sims, but it, he was over there doing some it work. It would make Mark sense, Snyder. Chris, because that was Greg Fry's territory. So with Fry no longer there, somebody new has to take Jacksonville. So maybe yeah. it is Kendall. Mark Snyder went to Oak Leaf, which is Orange Park, which is essentially Jacksonville at the same time. Kendall Browns then went to the western part of the state, panhandling in the panhandle. You know, oh my god! <laughs> it made Sinone cringe, um, but he went to see Xavier Sorry, some of those guys, Niceville, those those few schools that are west of Tallahassee that always have some talent or have current talent. He dropped in on those. Try and think who else on staff have we not talked about? We've hit quarterback coach, running backs coach, wide receivers coach, tight ends coach. Clements was in the Space Coast area, formerly Pimps yeah. territory. Snyder Harlan. Still uh, Harlan was mostly local. He went over to Madison County. I believe he went to see Keyshawn Green on Thursday. I'll ask Keyshawn that when I see him today. Um, you know, so they got out and saw that. Pimp also went to Missouri. I was told that was in part to check in on Ira Henry. Ira's got some academic work from what I understand. I don't think he's far off, but they're just kind of keeping tabs on him. He also went to see a powerhouse over there, Lutheran which is in that area. And they offered what five kids there. I think it was total mm-hmm. defensive end on the first day and then four more kids the next day. And then he made his way to Atlanta to see marks on Friday, Jaquavius marks, who's a running back for target for him. But from an out of state perspective, those were about the only ones. 
Kendall Browse also locally went to Lincoln on Friday, or Saturday. See Sage Ennis, as I mentioned. This week, I think we're going to see him sprawl out a little bit more. I know we expect Browse in Texas, I think, on Wednesday to see quarterback Malik Hornsby. I expect them to push into Georgia a little bit more. So we'll see a little bit more of that. I presume at some point Dugans will go see EJ Williams in Alabama. I don't know specifically when that will be, but I presume it would either be this week or next week. So Josh, hut take us on the territory style. Cause I know you Josh cares a great he he's tweet or not tweet, text me and Sonone constantly since we learned that Odell was not in Polk. And I know he's just got takes on it. So I'm gonna, takes. I'm gonna let him run with it. So here you go, young man. Well, no, I, I mean, we we confirmed a bunch of the different territory switches, and one of the more interesting ones or baffling ones was moving Odell Hagens out of Polk County. Um, so Odell no longer has Polk County's primary position, and he now has um, Fort Myers down to Naples, which was previously Woody's, who now takes over Pinellas County. So, I, I you know, the switch was there. But, boy, pulling Odell out of Polk County – I mean, that's, that's crazy. I get phone calls from different coaches. Like a good example is like the J rod situation. They know that Odell is the King of Polk County, like uh, opposing coaches know. So when J rob wasn't offered by FSU, it took a lot of teams by surprise, but they, they knew there had to be a good reason because Odell knows everything. Like he knows the ins and outs of not only what's going on on the field, but what's going on in the streets in Polk County. Um, how many guys re- recruit a territory where their jersey is re- retired in that county? I mean, wh- you got Coach Pimpleton going to Bartow High School. Is he just going there to make sure Odell's jersey's clean in the rafters and still hanging? Um, to me, it's a little odd. I just don't understand why you would take somebody out of a, a position like Polk County where it's literally home. And he's run it for so long, has so much respect in that county, to and, and to move him out is a, is a bit of a head scratcher to me, but I'm sure it makes sense to you, Chris. I never said it made sense to me. I do think it's taking away from a strength. I don't really get that idea part of it, but I'm sure there's some method to the madness. I haven't had enough discussions to feel like I can comfortably speak on it, but I do agree with Josh. That is kind of an odd idea to take a guy away from a strength. I mean, you have Woody recruiting an area that's his strength is its home because of his family's attachment to the area. He knows a lot of people has a lot of long-term relationships. I'm talking about in the Bradenton, Sarasota, Palmetto areas where he kind of has, you know, six degrees of separation from most people he's dealing with in those areas. And he recruited like the Naples and Fort Myers yeah. area at, well, at USF. Yeah. Well, yeah. He very, so, very so well liked that, like a Dunbar, for so example. So they're switching the two is what my understanding with, with Odell and Well, no, because Pilt switching. moved into Lakeland, okay. Polk uh-huh. area. Would he just move he north more? He, he had involvement himself. in the north, okay. the Pinellas area and whatnot, but now it's all of his. So and you essentially for Woody – hold on. You essentially take away um, Fort Myers and Naples from Woody and you give him Pinellas. And then you take away Polk County for Odell and you give him Fort Myers and Naples. Yeah. Okay. That sounds like somebody's going to do another story on the recruiting map. Time to color our map, Josh. Mm-hmm. Get those crayons out. I'm here for it. I like it. I, yeah, I, I mean, hey, I just think you you tell coaches across the country Odell's not recruiting Polk County anymore, and they'll ask they'll they'll say what? Why? Yeah, that's true. I mean, it is a shocker. It is a, a it is a. Uh, I'm not saying it's a shocker in terms of like FSU's recruiting is going to fall off. 
it's just a shocker to not see Odell in Polk County anymore. That's all. Didn't they? And I expect there's always some change in tinkering when you get a new coach. Didn't Odell kind of get taken off at least a little bit? I asked Chris this off the podcast and he didn't know. So I'm asking you, Josh. Now, didn't he get taken off of the DMV area last year for Walt Bell? Because Walt Bell had familiarity there or or he was in Maryland or my. He still got up there. But, yeah, they split the area up because I think Walt just probably um, attended to his previous relationships. And then Odell probably did the same. And but I think Odell still swept through and hit a lot of schools in the area. Okay. Because like with Cross, DK was primary on Cross, and then there right. was the young quarterback that Walt liked up at Gonzaga in Washington, so he went to see him. Mm-hmm. So they were kind of it, it was a mixed bag situation last year as far as guys they were recruiting, from what I can recall. Ah, uh, Nick Cross, those are the days, huh? It's the second Nick Cross reference in as many podcasts. Masochist. Did we go over the uh, the commit watch? Yeah, or is there anyone on the radar you guys are looking for? I want to put somebody on if I if I could. Yeah, please do. Right now, I think Malachi Weidman is probably the name that we got to keep an eye on. Um, been hearing uh, the streets have been talking, and I wouldn't be surprised if something happened in the short term, meaning like in the next couple weeks. Um, I've been I've been hearing a couple whispers, but Malachi was in a he was participating in a uh, AAU tournament up in Atlanta this weekend, and guess who was on the sidelines watching? Not Damn. just LeBron James oh. and Dwayne Wade, but Coach Hamilton as well. I was right. So um, he was up there. I think that could, you know, his travel schedule is just crazy. And then the fact that like he doesn't have a phone, he doesn't have a Twitter account uh, that he that he's that active on. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if this thing doesn't happen uh, this week, but I think it could happen in the short term. So he's the guy that I got an eye on. Anybody else out there, Chris, that you're watching? No, I mean, I think the running back situation is interesting because I think those <laughs> those dominoes are going to drop at some point nationally. Yeah. You know, Bowman, Knight, and Marks. I, I think there's a lot of guys that are fairly close to a decision when they start happening. What do you think the first domino is? Yeah. I'm just I'm, – I'm, I'm of the opinion that that's going to happen sooner rather than later. I don't think we see the running back board – be a talking point come August, basically, is what I'm getting. I think that's something that's put to bed largely by the end of June. Do you know who is Weidman playing with E1-T1, do you know, for AAU? I don't know the team name, no. I don't. Yeah. I think he's with E1-T1, which is a loaded ball club. So, yeah, I'm not shocked to hear that. He has a lot of people watching him. Yeah, yeah this he had a was viral a, video this weekend. I don't know if you guys saw it. Yeah, I saw Overtime tweeted something about it. The the recruiting calendar for hoops is so weird. This was a weekend out for the staff for AAU stuff. So that, you know, for him to devote a little bit of time in kind of a crammed window to go see the kid is meaningful, without a doubt. And I'm sure Ham loves the idea of getting a really talented guy that can throw it down for basically free. You know, guys, it's kind of like I've talked to track coaches before at FSU about guys and like, for example, say Arian Smith, they're like, we like him a lot, but man, getting him free would be phenomenal. Like, you know, the, mm-hmm. they're about that. They're having to move money around, figure out scholarships, only have so many. If they can get something free, why not? Cause and football's one, always right? going to have to pay the scholarship. Not a good point on that, but I think it, I, I, you know, there's been some questions on how hard is, is, um, FSU really recruiting them at, at, uh, in basketball. And I know it's tough to really get a, a good grip of their board, but, um, he's told me that he's in, you know, he talks to the FSU hoop staff about once a week and he talks to the football staff about once a week. So um, I think it sounds pretty equal. And like you said, why not recruit him if he's, if he's a freebie? Yep. 
All right. This was supposed to be a 30-minute podcast, but you guys uh, got in a groove there. I like it. So Chris turned into a chatty Cathy and just kept going. I'm sorry. He woke up from earlier. It was a lethargic uh, NFL draft podcast, and once he got through that, he saved it for the uh, for the recruiting stuff because he is the recruiting guru. He's on the bench. You sound, you sound like Odell calling me guru. Guru. Hey, guru. 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 I love it. <laughs> Remember, he got we had that in the in the pod one of the pods one of the early ones we did. We were recording and or recording in like the bowels of Doke, and he pokes his hand in and goes guru, and then just leaves. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, folks, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. This is Brennan Snow with the On the Bench podcast presented by Knowles 24-7. Please remember to subscribe, uh, rate, review on iTunes, uh, Spotify. What, five, oh, Chris is holding up his hand. Five-star review. Yeah, five-star reviews help out the most if you have a minute or two to do it on your on your phone. It does legitimately help us out. So uh, go ahead, Chris. Say it. No, no, no I'm good. I'm good. They, you, do you take us you. home. Take us home, Country Roads. Stick in the landing!